0: And today is February 11th, which means it is National Guitar Day. So here on the Big Daily Blend, we have a special guest. He's been on our show a few times over the years. Emmy and multiple award-winning guitarist Brian Tarquin is back. And in the show notes, I'm going to put links to everything we're talking about. He's got a new album, a new um album out it is called beyond the warrior's eyes and you know he and his heavy friends as he calls them love to get together and put these albums together uh benefiting veterans so welcome back brian how are you good how are you doing lisa doing good doing good um this album you've got the heaviness you got the heavy friends and got the heavy but you got the jazz you got the heavy and you got the jazz and you got the orchestra
1: Yeah, I had the uh, Budapest Orchestra in this, too, as well.
0: Actually, I have to say, that is probably one of my favorite songs uh, going through the album, which kind of was just like, wow, A Soldier's Journey, because it's pretty emotional, actually. It feels like you're going through all kinds of different things when you're listening to that.
1: Yeah, you know, I really enjoy that song. That's one of my favorites on the album, too. You know, I have... Um, Steve Kindler on there, and I always really liked. He's an electric violinist who played with Jeff Beck and Jan Hammer, and he an all-time favorite Jeff Beck records called Jeff Beck Live with Jan Hammer, and he plays violin, and he's so awesome with uh, with all of what he's playing with the violin because he's he's keeping up on uh, you know both Jeff Beck and Jan Hammer. It was one of my big influenced records when i was uh, you know you know a kid in the 70s you know
0: well you know you were on our show uh, oh it's a couple times last year with the previous album right um at brothers in arms and what is interesting we did a q and a Q&A with you on being a successful guitarist and yes. you have played with so many people so i want to kind of touch base on that and everyone the link is in the show notes we'll put the link to the magazine on that and you know with it being guitar day I think this is so perfect. I was like, oh, look at this. You're supposed to air on this day and it's guitar day. And I'm like, well, gee, we've got one of the best here. And you play with some of the best. I mean, think about all these people that you've played on with these albums that are benefiting our our military heroes. Um, Give us a few. Tell us, drop some names of this album and give us some from the past, too, because I mean, I was looking at that going, holy cow, this is like the ultimate.
1: Yeah, you know, on this record, I was really fortunate. I had Jean Luc Ponte, which is a a violinist, but he was, he's actually um, one of the foremost uh, violin progressive jazz artists. And, uh, you know, he's up there in age, he's like 80, but he's like amazing. And he was in Mahogishnu orchestra and he really kind of gap between like classical music and. And jazz. I was really fortunate in getting Eric Johnson uh, on the album, and Robin Ford, um, and Dean Brown played with um, Billy Cobham and, and David Sanborn, and John Trope, who was a, 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 a really great jazz artist in the seventies. Uh, Steve Morse, of course, from Deep Purple and the Dixie Dregs, Carver Verheyen from Supertramp. Um, so you know, it was great. And Larry McCray. I brought him in. He's a blues guitarist. He played with John Mayall, but mm-hmm. I i So, uh, it was great. And then Hal Lindis, uh, who's been on some of my other records, he's, he was from, um, Dire Straits and, uh, and of course, you know, the other guitarists from the last album, you know, these two albums, uh, of, uh, Brothers in Arms and Beyond the Warrior's Eyes were Done over the pandemic, and they were one record. And when I got through with it, because I kept going with it and going with it, and when I got through with it, I realized, hey, here's, you know, these albums, this can make two really good records in their own genres. Because I thought releasing it as one, they'd probably lose some, uh, some uh, meaning to it. So this way I released the Brothers in Arms as a metal record. You know, with uh, you know Vinnie Moore and of course Joe Satriani and Jeff Duncan from Armed Saint. and then um, this one is more of a jazz fusion record, mm. where yeah, you know guys like Jean luc and, and Eric Johnson and things. So
0: it's interesting how you merge it all together, going into the metal and then the jazz, and I think that's what brings a warmth to your music is that you're bringing those two together even on the metal one right brothers in arms is also it's heavy but you still have that there's a um a warmth to it and i don't know if it's the way you record or you know i was thinking about that today when i was listening to the album the new one too i was like yeah there's a warmth that you have because it can get really technical this kind of playing right even jazz can get so technical that um you lose there's not you But dynamics can be lost. And I know we always bring up dynamics. Like, you know, it's important.
1: Yeah, it it is. You know, I think the dynamics, the way it's, it probably could be part of the way it's arranged in compositions. And also I think the way I record, because uh, both of these records, you know, I recorded onto tape and, uh, and then brought it back into digital because it was done on the pandemic. So they were flying me in parts of their stuff. And then we went back and I mixed it uh, through, you know, I have a big, you know, studio with an analog desk and, and a warm outboard gear, tube gear. And then I mixed it down to quarter inch tape and we mastered it off of the, the actual analog tape. So I, I try to keep the warmth in there because like you said, with this kind of music, it can get a little too technical, but also, you know, with the new recording techniques, it can get a little too frigid, a little a little too kind of um, stale, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But, I, and then playing with different people, does that kind of also change it up for you? You know, putting yeah. this together.
1: Yeah, because that brings in dynamics when you bring different players and different people to the, uh, into the mix where they like, oh, wow, this is. You know, uh, a violin player is going to play very differently than a metal player. And then a, as opposed to a keyboard player or, or so forth or, or uh, more of a jazz guitarist, metal guitarist. So it does definitely depend on the song and, and the player as well.
0: Now, you've got the same drummer for both albums.
1: Yes, I do. Uh, Reggie okay. Pryor.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what kicked you off into doing this kind of album? and doing it for veterans, because you're always raising awareness and money for veterans in in different ways with this.
1: Yeah, you know, I was always, uh, you know, having having being a child of the 70s, I think that, you know, and, uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, the, the veterans were treated so poorly back then that I'd always kind of left a, an everlasting mark on how they, I, when I grew up in New York City, and I saw these veterans homeless and going through the subway, and it was, it, it was kind of like, you know, disgraceful the way kind of America turned their back on everybody at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, I, this is kind of like a really cool way of bringing something that I do to the veterans. And, uh, you know, what better way to thank them is than through music and giving them giving them thanks for what they do, because you know, not a lot of people, because I've talked to other, you know, veterans, and they always tell me, believe it or not, people don't really thank them that often. Mm. So.
0: Some of them don't want to be, you know, talked to, you know, there's a difference. But then it's, I think you're really right. We've been doing some shows since we last talked on Vietnam War history. And, yeah. you know, talking about that when, you know, you you were either drafted or you went in, right? And you know, coming home, how they were really, like you were saying, you know, they were put down. Um, and then also, what about all helping veterans, you know, after they come home, whether it's for mental health or actual health care? I think the system has some things in there, but it's so difficult to get to get through it all. It, I mean, it's like I, I always say that when someone gets really sick, the medical system is worse than dealing with the medical issue sometimes. <laughs>
1: Fortunately, it, it, the medical system can be pretty rough, and um, and especially back then, you know, the Vietnam veterans in particular, you know, I always had a uh, a soft place in my heart for them because they were treated so poorly, and they kind of never really was made up to them, made back up to them, or it was. I don't know. It 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 was a tough a tough thing, you know. And I, you know, it's funny. Last night, uh, when I was lying in bed, I was watching this Vietnam in HD, and it was. In, in really cool and 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 kind of like groundbreaking in a way because they brought in actual letters from families and soldiers that were going okay. back line and you see how much they went through and just you know it was, it was the war itself too was so brutal and the casualties were were so great and uh, and people just kind of never never really recovered. Mentally from this, you know the, the mental. I think scars were worse than the physical. Um, and uh, so I went to a different uh, charity this time to, uh, you know, hope for the warriors because they they really bring. Um, we're honing into Marines and uh, Navy veterans and oh. helping them with illness and you know reconditioning for civilian life. And my dad was a was a Marine in World War II, so. Um, I thought it was apropos to go with them.
0: Ah, so, and I want to tell everybody, we're going to have the link in the show notes, whether you're watching this on YouTube, listening, on Spotify, wherever you are, uh, we're going to have that link in there on our site, because you can go to, well, you've got a couple, there's one that's actually a donation page. How does all of this work so people know how to, I mean, number one, everyone can go to briantarquin.com. You can start there. Um, But when they get and the album, they can go to hopeforthewarriors.org to learn more about the nonprofit. But then you have a special link that goes as like a donation, right, for people.
1: Special link that is hosted on the Hope for the Warriors. And um, you can uh, you can put it on when, because when, it's a longer link. But
0: Yeah, can- yeah, it's a long. We need a tiny URL. Thank you. <laughs> 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 you know. But yeah, we'll have that link there. But and so people donate when that, when they do that. So it's not like through actually purchasing the album, but through the donations where the money goes.
1: Donate right to to Hope for the Warriors, right at that. That's awesome. Goes right to them directly.
0: Oh, that's that makes it cleaner. Yeah,
1: like that. And that way they can just donate to the cause and it goes, you know, right to them, uh, you know, and. there's no third party involvement or anything.
0: Yeah, that becomes messy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I like it because out of all of it, even beyond the money thing, I think it's the awareness, you know. And
1: the awareness. So, so many people are not aware of it, and that's kind of why I try to, you know, get people aware on all this.
0: Mm. When when you put these projects together and you're contacting all these other musicians, are they becoming more aware too by doing that?
1: I think so, and I think that they they actually um, really become more concerned and aware and everything that they can, you know, pass on to their fan base and to their their people. And just it's a matter of really getting the word out.
0: Yeah. Now let's go back since it's guitar day. <laughs> go back to the guitar. Do you remember your first guitar?
1: Yes, I do. You know, my my mom had lived in Mexico as an artist in the uh, in the 50s. She had brought back this guitar that I started playing. It's a little Spanish nylon guitar. And it was cool. I started playing that. And then I, I remember, that was my first one, and I remember them getting, um, I think it was on my ninth or tenth birthday, I forget, an electric guitar from Sam Goody in Manhattan. And uh, they had... Uh, and it was it was it was cool. I remember it was like a little AMP and guitar kind of combo. And uh man, I love looking at it, I love touching it, love, love just playing it and uh, kind of went on from there to each do a better guitar and a better guitar to finally, you know, getting something that's really cool. But yeah, I always love guitars still in this day, just collecting them and getting
0: them. Oh, so you collect them too. So yeah. so uh, okay, so you're doing the metal side. Now wait, let's go back on. You've done the jazz, and I remember you talking about acid jazz too before. So, um, everybody drop acid and listen to jazz. No, just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> or do it if you want. I don't care. But um, talk a little bit about the different genres because you do composing also for soundtracks. Um, and you won Josie Awards too the, since we talked as well. So, we got a lot of that happening.
1: For Joe Satriani, uh, for Speed of Light, uh, actually, uh, Speed of Sound was the name yeah. of the song. Arms and that was done. It was an AI video done um, with uh, Joe and I, and uh, I'm really, really proud of that video. I'm, re- I'm really happy about the, that whole that whole collaboration with Joe.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Now going back into when you started playing music, playing guitar, what were you what were you playing a little bit of everything, or when did you decide, hey, I'm going to go veer off on jazz, and then I'm going to veer off on metal? Do you play a little bit of everything?
1: Yeah, jazz came later on. Metal really kind of wasn't invented yet. It was kind of like either acid rock or or rock. I I think hard rock was a common term, too. Heavy metal kind of came later on. But what I liked, you know, in, in those days, you know, I liked, you know, Aerosmith. I was a real big fan of the British Invasion. So, you know, all of those. Like Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, um, you know Eric Clapton, the Blues Breakers. Um, I really like Santana. Um, so, I kind of you know I always kind of really like the, the the instrumental versions of all of of all of what what they were doing. Like Santana always had like these great instrumentals, and Jeff Beck, even Led Zeppelin had a couple. And uh, and of course, you know, with uh, Eric Clapton and the Blues Breakers, he had. Those and Jeff Beck, of course, he, he kind of re, uh, you know, reimagined the whole mm-hmm. the format of uh, rock jazz fusion. Um, that's how I kind of got introduced. And of course, Hendrix was a big, a big mm-hmm. kind of influence. You know, Third film, third Stone from the Sun was so um jazz influenced you know and it was it was really cool You had these great chords and these octaves that's how I found out about octaves was Hendrix you know not knowing that you know West Montgomery had in, invented it years and years before but it was like listening to all these great Hendrix uh, riffs and Third Stone from the Sun was one of, one of the big ones and what that- about
0: Gary Moore because actually listening to this album I was like I would have loved I know he's he's passed now but Gary Moore belongs on this album too. I'm just saying. I just kind of heard, you know.
1: Yeah, Gary Gary was great, especially Gary with um, Thin Lizzy was another yeah. favorite of. Me. He was in Thin Lizzy, and uh, mm-hmm. and they had like these always these guitar dual harmonies and everything going on. And I was really always influenced about all, all of that kind of thing. So you know, you probably begin to hear it in all the playing that you know. I'm drawing from all of this. Later on, I got really, I got into jazz, like, you know, probably in the early 80s, you know, mm-hmm. the few, um, what was going on with, uh, you know, like John Schofield, Pat Metheny, you know, those kinds of artists that they were, they were melding these different uh, kind of sounds from maybe funk or world beat or rock. And and that's uh, what I always like to just draw from all of these different, uh, genres
0: it's called a blend it's a good thing (laughs) yeah i hate yeah well i love this album because you really do blend in jazz and and metal so it's almost touching toes with prog rock in a way the way some of the songs build up and then it like eases you out and it's like oh we're bringing you back in it's like you're in and out of war you
1: know i you also look at it as like it's telling a story too you know the line track I only have one vocal track and that's uh, these colors don't run by uh, Bill Naro and Steve Morris.
0: That's good. It's good. I, I love the whole album. It was, it was surprising. You know, there was like surprises in there for me after the last one. So that it's not surprising that I liked it. I already knew I'm going to like it, but I was like, Oh wow. That, I didn't expect this over here. I know you told me you're going to have some jazz. In there, and then I was like, "Oh, listen to this, you know? So you kind of, it, it almost takes you into, like, if you think about a battle, right? And in, in all the different wars, and it almost takes you on a geographical journey, but then an emotional journey of what soldiers go through, whether it's in war, and then there's the war that comes once you come home, and the yes. internal war, you know?
1: That's exactly. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a journey, you know, that's why with the soldier's journey, I... I I want to make that so cinematic with the orchestra because it really does take you on this journey. You That's know? anthemic.
0: That That is like an anthem. That's just like, and, and especially to have something anthemic that is instrumental, you don't hear that very often.
1: Yeah, it's true because, you know, with, with instrumental, I always feel like you gotta, you gotta captivate the audience and keep them uh, because yeah. less attention span than, uh, and certainly a, a vocal song because vocal songs are more uh, people can latch onto those.
0: Mm. So what's next?
1: What's next? I don't know. You know, right <laughs> now, uh, since the album just came out, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to support the album what I can. And, it's
0: already uh, charting, right? Uh, you sent me a list. It's on. Tell tell everyone it's doing good.
1: It was. It was. Top, it just charted top ten. On uh, the jam band charts, so um, which that was that was great, you know. And got people really enjoying it. So, and the the Spotify, my Spotify numbers have really gone up quite a lot since this album came out. So,
0: um,
1: you know, with people streaming. So, I'm glad people are enjoying it. You know, it's always hard to to know with an instrumental record what they're going to like it or you know how they're going to react. What songs Mm, people
0: does Spotify help I mean, I'm so confused about this now. One minute it's good, one minute it sucks. Snoop Dogg saying he's getting a little bit of money from all these, you know, songs being played by, you know, gazillions and bazillion times, and then it's like here's your, your pennies. Then I hear like one musician is like living off of it. I'm like, I don't know what, what it is anymore. Does it work? I mean
1: You know, you know, with these with these uh streaming, especially Spotify and and Apple. It's all about getting the song, I believe, on a large playlist. And once it gets on a large playlist, then you have an audience and the audience really starts to listen to it. Then your monthly listenership goes up. And and the way it is, is, I think the way they try to do this whole thing is that it's a numbers game. So mm-hmm. get your monthly listenership up, you get your listeners' And you then see more money. A lot of a lot of this is for the younger generation, like Spotify, like like genres like uh, rap and lo-fi and, and, uh, you know, more contemporary pop music. You know, you'll see artists that you never even heard of have like, you know, millions of monthly listeners and they are making, you know, you know, thousands of dollars. A month, you know, Good. from from their listenership. Um, it's strange because you know the payment is not great because it is really fractions of it, and the way the payment comes to is, is is comes from a different sources. For instance, like there's this thing called the Mechanical License Collector uh, Collective that they pay on on these DSPs that stream. And then, of course, you have the PROs like CSAC, ASCAP, BMI, that pay. Yeah. And then you have the distributors paying on the streams like they are sales. But, of course, the sales are nothing equal to what you would have sold on records or, or radio. So
0: everybody's basically taking a cut out of the, what the... Well, you, you still have... They, I mean, it's part of the industry and they're helping, so... People do need to get paid, but there's it's like there's basically ten hands per paycheck. (laughs) It's
1: It's everybody, you know, all these different societies and places are collecting some fraction or micro fraction of that stream and then passing it on to the artists and taking their cut. And it's the same
0: thing for YouTube. And YouTube has really changed even for podcasting there quitting uh google podcasts and everything's going to youtube now which i think in a way i don't know it's because of their their youtube music channel for people (laughs) who are subscribers so now they're like well people are listening in the gym they're not necessarily watching as much so the podcast part is all going through there so we'll see how it goes but this is all happening now and changing now and um it's pretty cool to work with though
1: it's weird it's just a it's kind of a strange industry has changed so much that it's constantly in flux it's you know, a like wild
0: west man
1: <laughs> incredible you know in the old days with the brick and mortar it was like you got paid from the distributor and you got paid from Harry Fox uh, and the and the record company and that was it you know now it's like you know you have all these different micro companies that pop out of the woodwork that they're paying different
0: and you hope they actually do pay you and you have to, do you have to chase them down like give me money you know that's the other thing I mean it can get lost in the shuffle when there's so many pots on the stove you know
1: thing. Yeah. it was worse in the old days because they just would flat out not pay you and you'd have to really check uh-huh. but today because they're you know it's you know, today the record industry is run by the IT department because it's all streaming. But it may be
0: better than the mafia if you were roulette records.
1: All of it's all of this computerized thing. I, I think the, the, the positive side of it is that all these streams and plays are registered because it they are technically oriented and they have some sort of a fingerprint on them. Yeah. So you the accurate numbers of how many streams there are for each art and everything. So, well,
0: it's, you know, it, it's interesting, too. I mean, even just the production of, of things, you know, producing music. Like I know here you're going from tape and then then you have the digital side of things, too. So it's kind of an interesting you're blending both sides, which is which is cool.
1: I thought, you know, actually combined the only way to go is to combine both now because you wouldn't want to stay all in analog because, you know, there were so many problems with that getting involved, you know, with, with clarity and various things. And you don't want to stay all in in digital only because it's, you know, the digital is, it gets a little bit uh, uh, too harsh sounding. So I I find, you know, the marriage of both and using both is the best of both worlds. Mm. That's
0: cool. Well, we're waiting for more now, Brian. You can't take a break. I know you have to do all the marketing stuff, you know, go around and, you know,
1: that, but. That's the thing, you know, the the thing I enjoy the most is the, the actual, um, you know, actual uh, creativeness of it, being in the studio, creating it. Forming it, seeing it come to life, seeing it come to fruition, you know, that's the—that's my favorite
0: Do part. you get sucked into the vortex when you do this? I mean, do you have to remember to eat dinner or, like, do you stick to regular life schedules? And, and then, but if...
1: Once you get going, it's like, you know, it's they come out and it's like, you know, when I was doing this record, I'd go in at night and then i come out and the sun's rising, you know, out of the studio. It's, it's just... Cool. So wrapped up into it and, and and taken in, you know, and sucked in. Like I said,
0: I I'm I live like that too, and it's I don't know. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like being awake when no one else is. It's like it's my universe at that time, you know.
1: It is. And, it's great. Good life, mm-hmm. yeah. Great. It's it seems good. like that. You know, uh, you, you wake up and you're the only person around. It's it's kind of cool, you know. It's,
0: <laughs> yeah. You,
1: to do creative stuff.
0: So, how many guitars do you have now in your collection, do you think?
1: This is so many. Um, really? Heard, like, I actually went to, here's a cool guitar story. I went down, I'm down in Orlando, I think, Orlando Guitar Expo, and I ran into this guy named Josh from the Amp Shop. And it was such a cool thing because he actually recognized me. And he said that, um, would I like to try his amps? And so he wanted me really to try his amps. He had his guitar there and the amp set up and everything. And I plugged in and it blew me away, these amps. They were uh, basically a Marshall JCM on steroids meeting a um, basically a Soldano Coliseum amp. Awesome sound! It really has the Van Halen sound. Oh wow! I um, just nailed it. It was great. I was playing there, and then people started to kind of come around and see me, and it was it was actually a really cool experience. And uh, the amp is called the Mariner, and it's awesome. And he gave me one to endorse. I actually cool. took this. Right there and then on the spot, it was a wonderful experience. This guy Josh is incredible. He's 26 years old. He's really into guitar, really into the whole technical part of tube amps. It's all tube amp, and he put it together himself. He has this company that he's taking over from um, from an older gentleman named John, and there they are coming up with this new amp. And this is so apropos for your show because being guitar
0: Yeah. uh, It's guitar day.
1: day, Guys, I love this amp. It really is incredible. I have a Marshall Plexi that I have a mod, a Cameron mod on it um, by this guy uh, Cameron uh, that does it to, to do that kind of Van Halen mod. But this one, it blows it away. It's incredible the way he did this amp and you have like two stages: a stage one, a stage two. You have your controls to mix it. And uh, oh, I got to.
0: Oh, that's you cool, though.
1: Yeah. that's And you know he's he's a young kid too, and he looks just like my son Liam, which blew <laughs> me. Away. We have a picture. I'll send a picture of, of us at the show, with me holding the amp. Yeah. Was like. You know, I showed it to my daughters, and my daughters was like, I thought that was Liam, my son, in the picture from the distance. It, it, it's great. So, you know, it was a great experience. I saw a lot of old vintage guitars and everything, and it's cool to go and see. But um, it's it's really, really incredible. Well, that's
0: interesting what you're saying about, you know, the amp is just like you get the guitar, but having the right amp for the right guitar, that match. I mean –
1: So important having the right guitar for the right amp and and vice versa, and actually the right equipment. Another shout-out who I really support, and he's a young kid too. I think he's probably in his 30s. You know, he uh, has a company here in Florida called Audioscape. He makes, you know, microphone preamps and audio gear, compressors, limiters, really to spec of what the vintage, Was back in the day, back in the sixties and the fifties, and I have a name is Chris Yetter, AudioScape. Everybody go to him. I want to give a great shout out to him. Uh, You know, he's endorsed me through the years, and one of his great things that I love, he's got like a basically this thing that's a eleven seventy six. It's it's a copy of a um, of a this compressor. It's a, a simple thing. He's also got a, a version of this as a mic preamp. And I have to say, it just sounds so hmm. awesome on guitars, as we we're, were speaking about guitars. So yeah. um, another, you know, another, you know, it's about the tools. You got to have the right tools for the game here. And, and if you want to get those authentic sounds, you know, the plugins, I, you know, they've come a long way and they sound good, but they're just not as good as they, you know, as the real thing.
0: That's it's interesting. Not. Yeah, when you talk about plugins, I go to websites and I'm like, and I hate plugins. Are always doing updates and they suck. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, exactly. It's like you know, it's 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 you need the real butter. It's not. Yeah. I can't believe it. it's,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this. So with guitars, like when you look at, you know, you're talking about Van Halen and you know Hendrix. Have you ever purchased any any other guitarist guitar that you really wanted or like, do you listen to what they do and then go, I want that guitar, that kind of guitar for this sound that I'm working on? Do you ever like go and purchase a different guitar, like according to what you're writing and realize I need a new guitar? You know, you know I, this is dangerous Like, because I know guitar shopping is, it, it. you know, the two, there's three things that we get in trouble for other than wine, because I'll buy wine, I'll, I'll buy it and drink it and buy it and drink it. That's a constant. But the worst thing, and especially being on the road, you know, full time, plants, music and books, those three things. And I want the real book, you know, the Kindle thing. I know people love all that. Good for you. I want the book. Those three things. I remember going to Powell's in Portland. Oh, God, about 15 years ago. And Nancy and I walked in. We walked out with a cart. Of. I mean like a shopping cart that you would go to get groceries, music, musical instrument. I don't know. We're like, well, this makes a cool sound. I don't know what was going through our heads, but we had an entire shopping cart and we realized there's a sickness to this.
1: That's you great. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's when you go shopping for guitars, you know, you, you kind of have an idea of what you want. You know, I'm a I'm I'm a sucker for some of these signature things. So I have a Jeff Beck signature. Okay. But I put uh, in it, I always modify stuff. I, what I did is I put a um, an Eric Clapton, uh boost preamp in it. So I kind of have the best of both worlds with them. Oh, that's cool. And I have, uh, I also bought a, um, uh, it's called the Shark. It's the uh, Eddie Van Halen stripe guitar, but shaped like a his original one, the Explorer he had, the red and white one. And, uh, so, you know, I, I like getting some of these sounds and I, and I also like building guitars. So I, I, I put, Oh, guitars, like I make a body. Like I made one, you know, last year it was like a gold top, um, double cutaway Les Paul. And I put like a Van Halen pickup in there and I put like a 59 Seymour Duncan in there and, and, uh, and, 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 and it came out great. And I put like you know a, a Strat neck on, the, on a on a on a, you know, a neck on a body that's less. I love mixing all around and, and getting. Now, what
0: about the pedals? Do you get into the pedals too?
1: I do. I'm not such a big pedal guy though. I've written I've written a book about pedals, but I do get into pedals. Pedals are kind of cool, you know. I like whammy uh, bar pedals to get these different effects and wah wah pedals. Mm. And fact, it's funny. Uh, uh, GHS just sent me this pedal it's a great
0: ben, pedal. this is good this is good timing for everybody
1: <laughs> the Black Cat Rocktron Wah pedal and it's a, a really great pedal it's awesome and uh, you know since we're talking about all the guitars yeah. I have all
0: well okay so you know what guitar now I want to get a buddy guy guitar because the polka dots are cool because <laughs> I of cool right yeah i mean
1: here's a guitar right here behind me it's the van halen one it's called titty nights with the color that's beautiful love it it's a great i got it on a trade uh, last year and i absolutely love it it's like has a baked um maple neck and his signature wolfgang pickups and, is, you know, and in the, in the, you know, the, obviously the Floyd Rose. It's just, it's a great, uh, it's it's an awesome thing for this, uh, you know. Okay,
0: so you're so into Van Halen, Betty Van Halen. There's a new book out about him called Tone oh. Chaser. Have you read it?
1: I haven't. When did it come out?
0: Uh, yeah, it's in its third printing now, right now. He was on our show. The author was on the show, a rock journalist. And he has all these late night tape recordings. From his time hanging out, who's his really good best friend with Eddie Van Halen, and he liked to transcribe these recordings. What I I heard one of them. He
1: was the editor in chief of Guitar Player magazine one time, I think. He,
0: well, I don't think he was the editor. He was he had like eight or nine cover stories in Guitar Magazine, I think. So oh, yeah, so.
1: Oh, that's Someone's cool, better cool I yeah. can read that one.
0: Yeah, I, it's good. It's good. I was just thinking since Eddie Van Halen. So that's obviously someone who influenced you, too.
1: Yeah, Eddie did. He did a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Page did a lot. So, that, you know, I like I love Les Paul. And, uh, of course, Do Jeff, you have
0: any guitars that are double necks? The double guitars like that?
1: I used to have uh, a double neck Gibson, the... Uh, 12-string on top and the uh, 6-string wow. on the bottom.
0: Have they made a guitar that is, like, where you could do bass and guitar? Like, that's not. well. The...
1: You know, Getty Lee from Rush used to have a double-neck Rickenbacker. It was a bass on the top and a 6-string guitar on the bottom. No way. Yeah. Now, what
0: about a war guitar? Have you done a war guitar? you've got to you've got to try the war guitar have you have you seen war? those war
1: yeah they're interesting yeah the war guitar they're they're uh, uh they're big right they have a huge head yeah, big,
0: really wide neck I mean it's like it's it's like a bass bass Hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: huh well this is cool but I do want my buddy guy guitar and I'd like a national guitar I love slide guitar it's my thing it's that's
1: I've been wanting to get a Dobro or a, a or a pedal steel or a lap steel, just because mm-hmm. I love the way it sounds. You know, it's great. The whole different tuning, but it sounds really cool. And like those early Led Zeppelin records, you know, Paige was using like this great pedal steel guitar on uh, you know songs like uh, "Your Time Is Gonna Come," and oh, was just it was great. I, I love this.
0: I think yeah. all of that sound, like you know, slide guitar and lap and lap steel and everything, all of that sound is what influenced some of the Wawa pedals, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for sure they 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 really really did a lot of influence on that. And of course, you know, Hendrix and uh, uh, Eric Clapton made them so famous. You know, White Room with the Wawa with the cream, and uh, mm. and of course, you know. Benedict,
0: you know. Now, what about Peter Green? I know I've brought him up. I, he's he is like at the top of my list. Peter, but Gary Moore, Peter Green. Um, there's oh my gosh, Rory Gallagher. I'm sorry, but he.
1: he... Yeah, I love Peter <laughs> Green during the days of he was in John Mayall. You know, John Mayle yeah. had the greatest guitarist in his band. You know, you had Mick Taylor from the Stones, yeah. Peter, Green Clapton. I mean he just had so much And Larry
0: many... and um and also uh Caroline Wonderland. Um she was in him and then um we had Buddy Whittington on our show recently and he played with him too.
1: And Fleetwood so, was he was oh, a front Yeah, well Mick Fleetwood.
0: Mick Fleetwood is one of the best
1: drummers ever.
0: He is. He's a badass. And he's just oh, crazy.
1: He, Corey Gallagher's another one. He was really good.
0: I think one of the best. And the fact that he helped musicians, he helped. He tried to help everyone in Ireland to get out and get, you know, performed. He he read a guitar magazine even, which I thought was cool.
1: Roy brings not just like American blues, but he brings this also kind of the folk uh, Irish music into his, into his mm-hmm. plan, his music. It's great. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, Irish folk music meets, you know, Delta mm-hmm. Blue Well,
0: that's, oh, you know, it would have been interesting if if, if he met Ry Cooter Ry Cooder, yeah. to me, is also like he's a hell of a guitarist because he's just he's 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 all he's, he's he. I think he puts everybody in front of him. You know, he's about less is more. I think with him.
1: Yeah, he definitely, he definitely kind of stood in the back, the backdrop, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. Albert. Say that again, Albert Lee.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, him and Stevie Ray Vaughan.
1: Stevie Ray Vaughan. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was like the last great blues guy. I just love Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was great. He had such a great tone, and he just and his feel. Did you ever see the Albert King and him perform?
0: That's exactly what I was thinking about when you that 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 is just dude. That was insane because they don't care if their fingers are bleeding. They don't give a damn. They're going they're all in. You know? No. No. I, the, we should, I,
1: magazine should do this something on uh guitars for uh, yeah. uh for your magazine, you know, people yeah.
0: We should do it. I'm I'm always you know what, because I think it's so fascinating. I've been saying for years that I would do a guitar show and have all these different guitarists on because There's guitarists like Makana out in Hawaii. Um, He's one of the top 10 slack key guitarists and he travels the world. He is an incredible, incredibly smart human being, very talented songwriter and very about um, educating, you know, what slack key is. And it's like a representative for Hawaii. And um, so I always think that there's all these, and we've interviewed a gentleman who does the war guitar and I'm just like, you know what, we should just put everybody on a show together (laughs) <laughs> and I'll just sit back and you guys can talk all about guitars I don't, my guitar playing sucks you know, that stopped me It's it slows me down, so I need all of you guys, but um, it's a uh, I think we should do something you know, we'll do something cool but our next, when this airs, guess where we're going to be, we're going to be in Lubbock, Texas home to Buddy Holly
1: oh wow, that's yeah. cool
0: yeah, just around the corner from him He's got a park. His family put a park together and then he has a museum. They've got these big sunglasses, well, not sunglasses, but glasses. These big metal glasses out there that people can go and take their photo with and yeah. you know. Yeah, it's cool. They've got like a you know, a memorial park and you know, that's what we you know, we're into parks and public land, so it's kinda cool. That's the one thing as we travel, we, we're we're documenting things other than parks, and a lot of it is music. And so like go to Winslow Arizona you've got the Eagles <laughs> they're they're standing on the corner park you know
1: That's great yeah right and so, they did a, a number of their records um here in Florida down at Criteria Studios the big record Hotel California and one of these nights and um it, it's uh it, it's incredible what they did you know you what they accomplished yeah.
0: I just, I, there's so much good music and now it's hard. I'm glad we do what we do because we get to get people to, because when you go like on Spotify and things like that, it gets, it. there's just so much, right. And they nudge you with this sound and listen to this, but they mess with your, they may even mess with your playlist. You know, they mess with, they will like not even have the full album or whatever. And I know like Dave Kersner, he just put out another album and He just he did limited on Spotify He's like because he you know, he he sits on things and creates these double, triple albums, you know, when he does his solo stuff. And he's like, nope, on Spotify, you get six songs if you want it. The rest can get the full album. You have to get the album, (laughs) you know, which I think is kind of it's that's smart in a way, I think, you know, but it's so cool to be able to get people to hear new music that is out there because there are it's kind of. It, I just want people to not over digitize stuff because I find that we're over digitizing and fixing voices that sh- the voice. Why? I don't know. Like, can we just be real? Like we need real sounds. You know, yeah. I want the warmth that we were talking about. I want I want the grit. I don't want it to be absolutely over perfect because you lose soul that way because humans are not perfect. So perfection
1: too scientific, like, laboratory sterile, though.
0: Yeah, we don't want that. Because that's what... Music, you know, music is about emotion. It's about sex. It's about feelings. And you can't, you know, put a white coat on that, you know? No.
1: No. No, you can't. And then when you hear those early recordings of rock and roll, you know, with cream, and you know, they have... You hear it. You hear, like, they're, they're grinding back and forth. Maybe they didn't go... Maybe there's a little error there or here, but that's that's what makes the whole thing.
0: That's why I think why I have a tension for the blues is it's just you you. Well, then there's people that call them blues themselves, blues players, and I just go like, "You're you're there's fake blues." I can't explain it, but it 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 gets my it gets my go like I, I can't. Don't don't just play three chords really, you know, in this typical way. There's just this. It's like jazz. You, you can't just copy something. There's yeah. a soul to it, and jazz has soul, man. And, and it's something that I try to, you know. You, you, I don't know. I just there's 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 a bunch of imposters of the blues, and it makes me. It's like maybe bar band stuff. I don't know, but I got really good blues musician friends, and and when you hear them, it's like damn, that's real, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I like, you know, I like the the original blues. It's like, you know, B.B. Uh, King, all the Kings, Albert, Freddie King, you know, the Albert Collins, you know, those guys are all great. They, they oh, just, man,
0: Elmore James. Yeah. Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, all of them, man. They're all like...
1: Roy uh, Buchanan. I mean, it was just so many... So many great players, you know. That, um, mm.
0: hey, we got Larkin Poe, they did good, they won a Grammy. I was so happy to see that they won a Grammy. And Bobby Rush, have you, have you what listened to Larkin Poe?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, they're doing good.
1: Oh, no, I never do, it's just too painful, usually, but they won.
0: <laughs> well, Brian it is always a pleasure to chat with you come back anytime get more music out we're excited we're excited for this one to be out so everyone Briantarquin.com, all the links are in the show notes but again uh the album is beyond the warrior's eyes and you can go to hopeforthewarriors.org to learn more about the nonprofit that's connected with this Um, but again the link for donations are in the show notes and then all of this will be on our site and magazine later too and um, also we want to give a shout out to our friends at the lion and the Rose bed and breakfast who have metal. They love music. They are wild. Mr. And Mrs. Wild. They're based in Asheville, North Carolina. And whenever Brian comes on the show, they're like, we want to be the sponsors. So we let them. So lion-rose.com. If you go to Asheville, North Carolina, you got to stay with them. They give you a beer on check-in. I mean, what, you know, homemade brew.
1: I feel like going there now. That's-
0: Actually you should. Well, the orange peels around the corner, they see a lot of good music. Where they are. Oh. Yeah. Right you well, know, right now, they're road tripping to see music. They're seeing Pantera and... Oh, who's the other one? Disturbed. You go.
1: <laughs> I didn't know Pantera.
0: Yeah. They're still going. So, there it is. Well, thanks so much, Brian. Sure. <laughs>